This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Amazon has everything for back to school. Zebra lunchbox? Check. Cool Adidas gear like t-shirts, shoes, and backpacks? Check. Triceratops folders and pencils? Check. Lasercat t-shirts? Check. Get your back to school shopping done now at amazon.com slash back to school and enjoy free shipping on millions of items. No need to leave your home or hassle with crowds. Amazon.com. No better place to get everything back to school from A to Z. Blog Talk Radio. Hi, I'm Ryan Tannehill, quarterback for the Miami Dolphins, and I represent the Finsider with the PH. Good evening, everybody. It's Wednesday night. Finsider Radio is back on the air on its normal Wednesday night after a special Friday edition last week. Uh, I'm Kevin Nogle, managing editor of the Fensider and host for the Fensider Radio Show. Uh, joining me is my co-host. You know him as Duke, Chris Early. Duke, how are you tonight? Doing well. And of course, James is in the background as the producer. James, how are you? I'm I'm good. I'm just sitting here listening to uh, Duke's kids. <laughs> um, lots of stuff, obviously, going on this week for the Dolphins. Bad loss to the Chiefs, second straight bad loss. You take out the half against the Patriots, the second half against the Patriots, and the Dolphins have not looked good this year. I think that they can turn it around. I don't think that they are so far off that the season's already over, but they obviously have to make some fixes and get some things corrected. Uh, Obviously, the other piece of that is there was lots of talk, lots of speculation this week that the Dolphins could be looking at trying to bench or considering benching Ryan Tannehill. So we'll talk about that. And, of course, the Dolphins actually do have another game this week besides all the Tannehill talk. So they're headed to London and going to play the Oakland Raiders. So lots to talk about tonight. Uh, 
start off with the Chiefs and what we saw in that game. I really think that the, the, the Dolphins weren't as bad as we think they were, but they definitely weren't good by any stretch of the imagination. I think us as fans, we all look at the fact that the Dolphins should have won that game because the Chiefs were coming in 0-2. The Chiefs haven't looked so good this year. They're without Jamal Charles. So, automatically, we assume the Dolphins can win this game. And they got outplayed at home. It's embarrassing, and they should have been better. There is no doubt they should have been better. But it wasn't complete garbage out there. I mean, Lamar Miller looked good running the ball. Jarvis Landry bounced back from a subpar special team game the week before and actually played pretty well. So there were positives. I think I'm in the middle of doing a look at Ryan Tannehill's pocket presence and how he was making decisions on those on his on the four sacks the Dolphins allowed, and there's concern there. But at the same time, on there's also the where was he supposed to go with the ball? Because some of those plays, everybody has a guy on top of him. None of the wide receivers got open. And I don't know if that's a scheme system, if that's a wide receivers thing, if that's a the the offense line has to block for longer than two seconds, whatever it is. There, there, there's things that have to be fixed, but I don't think it's all on Ryan Tannehill either. Um, I think Tannehill has to do some things better. I think he has to make decisions better. I think he has to feel that present that pocket pressure and be able to do what made Dan Marino the great quarterback that he was. The things that we see uh, Peyton Manning do or Ben Roethlisberger do or some of these other quarterbacks where it may not be break the pocket and go running. It may just be sidestep this way and step up that way and completely avoid all the pressure and get the ball downrange. So I think there, there are lots of things that little things that need to be fixed and it makes it into a big deal. But I think that the Dolphins are not nearly as bad as we think. You come out of this game assuming they win against the Raiders and you have a 2-2 two and two record, that's about where I think most people would have put the Dolphins going into the bye week. You would assume the Patriots lost, but the Dolphins won that. Either drop the game against the Bills or drop the game against the Chiefs and then beat the Raiders. You're at 2-2. Two and two. Three and one is a possibility there, but two and two is about where we would have thought. If they're one and three, it's a cause for cause for concern, obvious. But I think that this team is at least growing. They're not there offensively yet, but they're at least growing. Duke, I want to turn it over to you after I've talked for like ten minutes. It seems like, even though it's only been like five, and uh, let you talk. What did you see in the Chiefs game? Well. Uh... I watched. I went back and watched some of the tape, the All-22 of Ryan Tannehill playing. I didn't think he played as badly as everyone made it sound. I mean, the first couple of weeks he struggled with some pocket, some uh, some accuracy issues, ball placement issues. Didn't really see that. There was a few bad passes, maybe a bad decision here or there, but for the most part, I mean, the the ball placement looked pretty good. The um, the decision making looked pretty good. I mean, there were some times that. There's one sack I remember he took. There was nobody open. 
you know, it's, it, and those are things that's hard to see on the broadcast because you don't see the what the receivers are doing. You just see what Tannehill is doing. You think, just throw the ball. But there were times where the receivers just weren't open. So, right. That was what I, I noticed. I did like Lamar Miller. I I watched mostly that. I didn't get to watch most of the defense. It just, from what I saw, the first half it just looked like the defense didn't play that way. Um, they they made some plays here and there, but they just gave up those play, you know, kind of chunk yardage and Chiefs took advantage of it. So I don't know. I think that was a complete loss. I don't think it was just on Tannehill and I don't know. I just think right. he's blamed for a lot of stuff. And he's he's made his mistakes. He's not perfect. I won't say that, but he has to say he did deserve to be benched after that game, I disagree with. Yeah, I think that's the thing. And I think I think right now Dolphins fans are looking for anything they can find to give them hope. And flat out, they need it. Dolphins fans need hope at this point. And that's why you see things, everything from Fire Philbin to um, Coyle to Fire Rizzy to Bench Tannehill to everything they can. Um, I saw somebody saying that uh, Trusnick is horrible and fire Trusnick. I've seen everything from – it's just it, – it's all over the place because, one, the Dolphins don't have the player to hate. Daniel Thomas will eventually become the player to hate again. He just hasn't been with the team long enough for Dolphins fans to get back onto that bandwagon because everybody thought he was gone. But Dolphins fans need that one player that they can hate and that one coach that they can hate. And right now they don't have it. Philbin is getting there because Dolphins fans want change and they always want chop off the head and everything gets better, which you would think having seen this with Tony Sperano, having seen this with Dave Wanstat, with Cam Cameron, with Nick Saban, with whomever, chopping off the head does not mean that next year we're better. And I find it funny, the thing that everybody automatically immediately says is, well, you fire Philbin and you go get Jim Harbaugh. Sure, Jim Harbaugh may make this team better. Jim Harbaugh is being run out of San Francisco for a reason. I mean, there's all this speculation that he doesn't get along with anybody. He doesn't like not having the power that he had in college, that he wants to be the power guy. Do you give him that? Maybe you do. But then what do you do with Hickey that you just hired? Uh, There's speculation that he wants to go back to college, that if Michigan offers him the job, he could be interested. He went to Michigan. So suddenly you, you have all these dynamics that everybody thinks is the right answer. And I'm not a hundred percent sold. It is. I know uh, Todd Bowles has come up as an option and maybe Todd Bowles is a good option. I think I could get behind that, but we're speculating in week three about what the 2015 team looks like. Let's hope that the coaches, and I know that there's, there's going to be people that go, they've never proven to us. They can do it before. Why do you think they can now? But let's hope the coaches can get this fixed and make the changes now rather than hoping that we fire the coach because everybody should remember, you fire the coach, you gut the team. Everybody's going to change. You're going to keep Cam Wake, you're going to keep Brent Grimes, and you're going to keep a couple other players, and you're going to start turning the roster over again. And do we really want to go through that? Let's hope and get behind Philbin making the corrections and hope this team gets better rather than hope they hurry up and fire him. 
Because if they hurry up and fire him, we're back to square one where we were three years ago, where we were six years ago, where we were eight years ago, where we were a decade ago. Do we want to keep being there or do we want to hope that they can fix it? Let's hope they can fix it rather than hope that they can gut it. So that's my thought process. And I know that we went off on a weird random rant there and kind of turned away from talking about the Chiefs game. But that's just – that, that's where my brain went on that, and I'm a little bit odd sometimes, so I get weird random, uh, weird random ta- tangents that come flying through me. So, anyway, Duke, your thoughts? Well, I think there's always a grass is always greener mentality with fans that we get player X in, and things will be better, or coach X in, things will be better. You know, it just doesn't always happen that way. I mean, while you were saying all that, the first person that came to mind was Pete Carroll. I mean, he didn't do much with the Patriots, didn't do much with the Jets, goes to Seattle, has a few mediocre seasons there, and then suddenly turns things around and wins the Super Bowl. I mean, by all, you know, he had he you know had a great stint in college with USC, but as a pro coach, I mean, when they hired him, when Seattle first hired him, my first thought was, well, that guy was a terrible pro coach. He, didn't, he failed twice at two different places. Why, why would they want that guy? So, I mean, just because things haven't happened yet doesn't mean they they can't happen. And, you know, it was my – I was thinking about it last night. Everyone wants to be in Tannehill, and the reason for that to me seems to be it's a win-now process. Well, Matt Moore gives us the best chance to win now. My thought is, what if it's not? What if Matt Moore right. comes in and throws some duds? What do you do then? Do you go back to Tannehill? Do you – do you – um um – I keep more in. Do you tank the season? I mean, what do you do? You can't just get, fire everybody in the middle of the season. You can't trade everybody and do that kind of stuff. So, I mean, it's kind of like, what, what do you do? What I mean, you, you hope Matt Moore does, but what if he doesn't? You know, right. bring up Seth Lovato or whoever's on the practice squad and let him do it? I mean, what do you do? The best thing to do is just go with Tannehill. If he's not the guy, he's not the guy. We don't win this season. We know he's not the guy. Don't try to, don't try to put everything into this season. And I felt like fans have done that before. Like, oh, we need to win this year. We've got to win this year. Well, no, you don't. It's all about the future. And don't try to salvage the future for one season. You know, I, I don't know. I just, I just don't think it's a good idea to be talking about this, especially since it's week three. You know. If Miami loses a bunch more games, well, that's what maybe that's what they need to get a better draft pick. They know they figured out some things, you know, who's who, who they need to keep, and they need to gear it off, stuff like that. Don't try to put a Band-Aid on, on the situation. You know, this, it's really only going to hinder you in the future. I mean, don't – Yeah. this season's not the end-all, be-all. I mean, I, you know, even with all the controversy, I don't think the NFL is going to fold next year. So – you know, Tannehill's not the guy. He's not the guy. But let the season play out and let him prove that. You know, if if he can't adapt, if he can't work on those things and, and progress on those things that he should be progressing on, then you know you've got him one more year. You don't have to get. You don't have to um, give him the option. Right. If your option, you've got him for one more year. Let him be your backup. Compete with whoever your new draft pick is. Start again. But wait until and next year. Don't start now. And I think that somebody, I can't remember who it was, but somebody, I wrote in one of the articles that you don't, you don't bench Matt Moore 
assuming that he's the quarterback of the future because he's not. He is not the quarterback of the future for the Miami Dolphins. And somebody asked, why would you say that? If he can come in and win, he can be the quarterback of the future. Matt Moore's 30 years old. Matt Moore's not your quarterback of the future. Matt Moore is your quarterback of right now. And if he comes in, he could have a couple good years, yes. But he is your quarterback of right now. He is not your quarterback of the future because he is 30 years old. He's 30 years old. He's a 55, I want to say percent completion rate he's you know what Matt Moore is we've all seen Matt Moore yeah he came in and he fired up the team after they went 0-7 or 0-8 or whatever it was and won six games great but is winning six games what you want is winning I mean do you want to win a few games this year and hope next year or do you want to See what Tannehill is. This team has three games in a completely new offense, the first new offense for Ryan Tannehill since his high school year or since his senior year of high school. So, yes, this is the year you need to see it from Ryan Tannehill. Absolutely, I'm not disagreeing with that at all. I am saying, however, that maybe we need to have a little bit of patience to assume that it takes more than three games to be able to say he's mastered a offensive system. And it's not all his fault. And that's where it's that's not. Where stupid that's where, you know, these metrics like passer rating and all that stuff come in and, and, and I'm you know you, you know, you see him more on Twitter and he's like, Oh, player, you know, quarterback X has to have a, a such and such passer rating you know well the passer rating doesn't it doesn't measure accurately the the, the what the quarterback is doing. And that fan post or fan shot I put up uh last week talked about, you know, pro football focus talked about that. It's like, you know, if a quarterback throws, makes a perfectly good play, reads the defense, manipulates the safety, throws a perfect laser 50 yards away, scores a touchdown, why should he be on an – why should that play be equal to a, you know, say, for instance, a screen pass where the running back does most of the work and gets downfield? Or where a quarterback throws a bad pass, the ball's tipped, and the guy, you know, it caroms off a couple of players, the guy catches it and scores, makes a highlight reel. You know, those three players right. are not equal, but the result is the same. And that's what quarterback rating measures. And if quarterback rating was so great, they wouldn't have come up with QBR. And eventually they'll come up with something even better. So, again, it's not all Tannehill's fault. He's made his shared mistakes. No one will, you know, no one will say that he hasn't. But, just put it all on him and say, oh, he needs to be benched, you know. He's not out there missing tackles. He's not out there dropping passes. I mean, I watched the first half of that game on my computer when it was happening, and I saw Jarvis Landry, you know, Mr. Shorehands, drop a pass. Um, yep. They were driving down the field in the second half. Tannehill puts a, puts a perfect pass right on Brandon Gibson's hand. It would have been a big play, drops it. I mean, just things like that. I think made some bad throws short. But, you know, that's gonna that's gonna hurt the quarterback rating. That's gonna hurt the entire offense. And we're getting blamed for something he, he has no control of. I mean, he puts the ball in the guy's hands. You know, he can't catch it for them. So, you know, and then you know, uh, Martin put up that uh, screenshot of, of the receivers in another post where all three of them were clumped together. It doesn't even look like the defenders have to move that much. They're all right there. I mean, there's yeah. all kinds of stuff going on. Um, you know, when Pouncey comes back, the interior offensive line will, will get 
shored up a little bit. Um, the tackles are doing pretty good. Um, you know, there's some work to be done there, but, you know, once Shelly Smith comes back, I think things will get a little better. So, you know, injuries and stuff like that happen, but, you know, I don't know. Just I, the, the, the secondary is not, not making plays. They've not had an interception all year. Um, they're not they're not creating a lot of fumbles. They're not um, – Seems to me they're still playing, you know, seven to ten yards off the off the receiver. I don't understand that, but you know it is what it is. But you know, if, if, if fans are going to be upset, be upset at the whole thing, not just one person or one coach. It's it's a whole lot of things, and ultimately that, yeah. that does come back to Fielding, does fall on him as he is the head coach. But you know, there there's other issues at hand here, and you go to London this weekend. You beat the Raiders, you know. However you beat them, doesn't matter if it's close, ball out. Beat the Raiders, you're two and two going into the bye week. Things will be better. Things will be looking up, you know. So, you know, there's some overreaction to games. Everybody does it. I've done it. You know, it, you know, just gotta look at the t- entire picture. Just think, you know, Tannehill's. This is his time to prove himself. So, exactly. It it's. Tannehill's time to prove himself, and no matter what, whether you think that he's going to be a great quarterback or you think he's a bust today or you think he's somewhere in the middle, he hasn't proven what he is yet. And sure, people are going to say, well, he's 35 starts into his career and you already know what he is. I don't think you do. And sure, Andrew Luck looks like a great quarterback, but for some reason – People ignore the stats when it comes to Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck is not out there absolutely dominating the league. He he wins. I, I, I'm not going to say that, and I'm not going to say he's a bad quarterback, but he's not out there throwing 5,000 yards every week. I mean, he's good. He's um, – I think he's he's in the top five right now in passing yardage. But he's – I don't know. I just – I think there are quarterbacks out there that people assume are outstanding. And Andrew Luck may be a bad example. He's just the one that everybody loves to talk about because he's the number one overall pick and all that. But, I mean, Andrew Luck, Russell Wilson, these guys are great quarterbacks. Don't get me wrong. But just because they came in and had success today – doesn't mean that Ryan Tannehill can't have success tomorrow. There's this idea that if he hasn't shown it, he's never going to show it. And I I just, I think that that's a falsehood that in today's win now society where a quarterback can come in and have success and you have Andrew Luck who has had success. You have Russell Wilson who has won a Super Bowl you expect every single quarterback to come in and be that guy. And some of them don't. Aaron Rodgers sat behind Brett Favre forever until the team finally went, okay, now he's ready. Um, um, Tom Brady sat behind Drew Bledsoe. He wasn't ready when he first walked into the league. Now, am I saying that Ryan Tannehill is going to suddenly become Tom Brady? No, not at all. But I am saying that there's, there's 
a chance for quarterbacks to grow. It doesn't have to be what you see today is what they will be tomorrow. Um, you'll, you'll, you have the opportunity for a player to develop himself. And a third-year quarterback, this is the year that you see what he actually is going to be. Maybe Ryan Tannehill is a guy that is a 75 to 80 quarterback rating or passer rating and is never going to be the dominant out there leading, getting in the face of a wide receiver and chewing him out for dropping a pass and firing up the team and going and winning every single game. Maybe that's not Ryan Tannehill, but you don't know that yet. There's a lot of evidence right now at 35 in 35 games, but as a rookie, he made rookie mistakes. Last year, he got sacked 58 times and was panicked every time he took a snap because he knew he was going to get hit again. So there, there are reasons for waiting. If you bench him and you go to Matt Moore, it's not – this isn't a situation where you're benching Chad Henney to bring in Blake Bortles. This is a situation where you're benching your franchise quarterback – to bring in your backup, whereas in uh, Jacksonville, you're benching what is essentially your backup quarterback, your veteran backup quarterback, so you can bring in the franchise quarterback and get him started in his development. So th- there's, I, I just, I don't want to, I don't want people to think that keeping Ryan Tannehill is a bad idea and that Matt Moore is going to be the savior that suddenly leads the Dolphins to the promised land in the next few years. He's a 30-year-old quarterback already. He, he's a serviceable backup. He's exactly what you need as a backup. He's a guy who can come in and win a game. Um, let me see. As the Floridian debater writes in the live thread, you, you don't want to count on boom or bust, and that's exactly what Matt Moore is. He will go out there and have that game where – he is bombing the ball all over the field. Mike Wallace has his career high day, catches four touchdown passes, and the the Dolphins route, I don't know, um, the Chicago Bears. They route the Chicago Bears. The next game he goes out there and can't complete a pass to save his life or misses on every single short pass, and suddenly Miami is just getting destroyed again. That's Matt Moore. And is it ever – as great or as bad as what I just said, no. Obviously, there's hyperbole there. But you are going to see great games and horrible games from Matt Moore. Tannehill's more consistent right in the middle. You get frustrated because his ball placement's slightly off and a receiver can't get it or the receiver catches it, but it could have been in stride and it could have gone for a lot more. But he's also learned a new offense. He's learning an offense that isn't a – throw to a receiver it's a throw to a spot offense and expect the receiver to be there it's a new mentality for the quarterback it means that wide receivers he has to trust the wide receivers to run the exact route and be in the exact spot to where he's throwing the ball and I don't know if the receivers are doing that yet I I don't know maybe they are maybe he's just off maybe he's throwing to the spot that he thinks they're supposed to be at and they are a yard different and it, it, there's, there's reasons. I'm not trying to make excuses. I'm really not because he does have to prove himself this year. But three games into the season does not mean that he's proven what he's going to be. Let him have time to continue to master this offense. He has to master the offense. The receivers have to master the offense. 
if the receivers aren't doing exactly what they are supposed to do, Ryan Tannehill's going to look bad. Okay? The the touchdown out of bounds a couple games ago. I mean, what more could Ryan Tannehill Ryan Tannehill have done? He put that ball exactly where he needed to put that ball. Yet Mike Wallace drug his foot out of bounds. He just went ahead and stepped out of bounds. Mike Wallace even came in after reviewing the tape and said, yeah, I messed that up. I stepped out of bounds. But that goes as Ryan Tannehill threw the ball out of bounds and didn't put it where his receiver could make a play. The receiver admitted, I should have made a play. So there, there's, there's always more to the story, and there's more time for Tannehill to develop. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I can, I'm just going to keep saying the same thing over and over and over, I think. You have to give him and more also, time. And also, um, Aaron Rodgers, I believe Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, um, there's one other quarterback, Colin Kaepernick. A couple of them are all one and two at this point. So, you know, there, there's some really good quarterbacks out there that are not leading their teams to victories as well. Yeah. Um, so, you know, just, and just let, it play, let it play out. It's week four. Look at, look at Drew Brees. Drew Brees was bad enough to be run out of San Diego, and they went and drafted Phillip Rivers because he was such a bad quarterback, because they didn't feel they could win with Drew Brees. They drafted Phillip Rivers, and suddenly Drew Brees started winning, and they still went, you know what, we'd rather go with Phillip Rivers. I mean, kind of telling you something there. A quarterback can turn it on later in his career than in the first year. And Drew Brees now has Super Bowl ring, and he has uh, 5,000 yards throwing every year, it seems. And he, he's, he's a ridiculous passer, and he's not with the San Diego Chargers anymore. Are, are they upset because they have Phillip Rivers? They probably aren't. I think Phillip Rivers is probably more of a gunslinger than Drew Brees, and more, and you probably are going to get a little more risk out of him, but you aren't going to complain if you have Phillip Rivers. So there's options there, obviously, but there's also chances that you have a Drew Brees sitting in Ryan Tannehill right now, and you just need to get him to that developmental and execution phase. He's not there yet. Maybe you have, I don't know, um, maybe you have Chad Henney. Maybe you have Josh McCown. Maybe you have Jake Locker. Maybe you have one of these guys that aren't going to be Aaron Rodgers, aren't going to be Drew Brees, aren't going to be uh, Andrew Luck, Matt Ryan, one of those guys. So you have the entire spectrum of quarterbacks, and Tannehill could be anywhere in there right now. He is a middle-of-the-road quarterback that has the potential to be great but could be regressing, could be out of his comfort zone, in the first, in a new offense for the first time ever, basically. We, we will see. But you don't find out what you have in your quarterback by putting him on the bench. So you have to let him play. It's week four. The season is not over. Right. Um, we don't have a guest scheduled to come on tonight, and we are right about the halfway mark of the show. So – what is dangerous is letting Lewis come onto the air because Lewis wants to talk forever. But that's okay tonight because we have Oh, jeez, man. So, Lewis, welcome to the show. 
<laughs> I want to talk forever, huh? <laughs> okay, I, I get it now. It's like a hobby of yours to mess with me. Okay, that's fine. It I don't is. mind. Absolutely. Go ahead. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so, what's up? What do you want to? What did you want to bring up? Well, you were talking about whole, the whole Tannehill thing being the middle of the road. He can has potential to be great. But I'm, but something just occurred to me just now, like while you were talking, and I was wondering yep. to myself, is Tannehill damaged goods in a way? And what I mean by that is that did Philbin and Sherman in week in year two of his NFL career do something to him that is still affecting him even today? And by that I mean his his lack thereof of running with the football. I wouldn't be surprised if that is a part of it. I mean, there, there's a very good argument there. They, it kind of goes back to the same argument that we had with Tony Sperano and Chad Henney. Did Tony Sperano bang into Chad Henney's head so much the don't turn over the ball that Henney stopped taking risk and would rather eat the ball or dink it two yards down the field rather than maybe put it in the air for 30 yards where he had a receiver that he may or may not hit. So there's absolutely a hundred percent possibility of that. It could be the exact same thing as what you're seeing with the Redskins and RG three right now. They are trying so hard to make him not run that it's affecting his game in every phase of the game. And it, it makes him uncomfortable. It, you could absolutely have that argument, and I think that there's justification for it there. I think that you probably also I, – I have a feeling that part of what the accuracy issues are – because Tannehill didn't have accuracy issues like this last year. He, nope. the, deep ball, the deep ball, absolutely 100% agree. But accuracy issues like this, where it's on the 5-10 yard route, and he's – Getting it there, but it's off. We didn't see that last year as much. And I, I think that it can be, it can absolutely probably be measured back to absolutely probably. You like how I did that? <laughs> back to, they changed his footwork this year. And you change a quarterback's footwork, it's going to change how he delivers the ball. Does it, does it actually have the impact that we're seeing right now? I don't know. It could also be, like I said, throwing to the spot, all that kind of stuff. But you did you changed a a fundamental portion of a quarterback's mechanics. And it could be just that he's not quite there with that footwork yet and he needs to get that. Does that change his pocket presence and knowing when the pressure is coming behind him? No, of course not. But it could it could be a factor of why he can't get the ball there. So there are a couple things. I, I absolutely would agree with you that you could make the argument that making him not run as much changed his style of play. And now where they probably would like him to run a little bit more, he has it beat into his head. I'm supposed to throw the ball. And he holds it that one second or half second too long before he does decide, hey, I need to take off and run. That's the thing. You take away your quarterback's instincts because you can teach him all you want, but in the end, what's going to come down to is what is it going to go through his head the first thing. If, if he's saying, if instincts are yelling at him, run, he should run. 
because uh, and it's right. most glaring from last last week against Kansas City when twice he could have had he could have run like twenty yards down the field because there was nobody in front of him for miles it seemed, but he yep. looked around for some somewhere to throw it anyway. Yeah, there was there was at least on the like I said I'm I'm halfway through the sacks and looking at the sacks and trying to compare the television coverage versus the all-22 film and all that kind of stuff. I'm hoping to have it ready for tomorrow morning. But I think that there there definitely are moments in there where Tannehill holds the ball that one beat too long, and if he had run a second earlier, there was a gaping hole where he could have been. And when he finally decides, I have to go, the hole's gone and he's going to be sacked. There's – I mean – you're 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 exactly right. There is definitely a possibility that he's he was taught so much to pass first that it it's messed with his instincts. And that also affects the whole offense because part of what makes the offense tick, I think, is the dual threat of of defenses knowing that Tannehill can run because if Tannehill runs around a little bit, they're going to have to back up on their heels and make sure they don't let him run and that weakens the defense in the passing game. Which brings up the question of do you call more read options where he runs it? You you take the risk of letting your quarterback get hit, but you also open up that game, that part of his game a little bit more. And that helps the offense as a whole. It's all one big puzzle. If you take away a piece of the puzzle, the puzzle's not complete and everything gets messed up. It's it's absolutely 100% a great valid point. Duke, your thoughts on Tannehill running more? I'm not a fan of the design run as much. Um, I, I mean, I know it's part of his game, and I know it's kind of a thing going on in the NFL. I'm just not a fan of getting a quarterback hit, especially since he, you know, he did take a lot of hits last year uh, in the pocket, and um, you know, you know, even even the the bigger running quarterbacks, guys like Newton, Kaepernick, who are physically bigger. Um, they're they're learning how to get out and get out of bounds and stuff too. So right. they're realizing, hey, you know, if I if I go out there and just run like I used to, I'm probably going to get crushed. So you know, when you use it occasionally, it it works well. Um, as far as escaping the pocket, I agree. I think he's got, you know, I think he wants to prove kind of, you know, I almost have a feeling he kind of wants to prove that he can be a good quarterback by throwing the ball, that he, he he doesn't want to run. And when he does right. have those options where he can just, you know, the hole is there, if that second or third read's not there and, you know, if those, if those guys aren't open and he sees the hole, take off and run, even if it's five or six yards. It's like Lewis said, it's going to open up the defense a little bit. They're going to have to honor that. Um, yep. You know, as long as he gets down and doesn't try to um, – doesn't try to block anybody like he did on that reverse to Wallace. Um, I thought he did a great job blocking by just, you know, standing in the way and then running out of bounds. That's what your quarterback's supposed to do. I remember from Hard Knocks, he tried to block someone in uh, preseason, and Jake Long told him, said, look, don't ever do that again. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, as long as he does that kind of stuff, he's good. You know, but he does need to open that up a little bit. I think as long as he's not getting to the, the David Carr syndrome where, you, you know, starting to feel phantom pressures and running. But I think he needs to realize if if, if there's if 
you know, and part of that may be reading the defense. You know, I don't think that's something you can read pre-snap anyway, but if you drop back and you see an open hole in the middle and there's a lane there and you can see, you, you know, you've got about, you know, two to three seconds to do this. So it's not like you can sit there and just kind of, you know, survey and think about it a while. You just have to know you're dropping back. By the time you hit the back of your drop, by the time he hit the five-step drop, by the time he hits the back of his drop, he's probably already read at least two, maybe three progressions. If it's not there, take off, get that get that six to ten yards or whatever, and then um, hang on a second. If he can get that, uh, that five, ten yards or whatever, you know, then, they're, then, then, you know, maybe they have to leave a linebacker in the spy on him. Maybe they have to change up their defense a little bit. And then it opens things up for the receivers. So, yeah, I agree with all of that. I'm just not a big I fan think, of the design runs just because he's going to get hit, and I don't like subjecting your quarterback to that. Yeah, I'm with you, Duke. I'm, I wasn't referring to whole, the whole design play, right. like, oh, Tannehill's supposed to run. I'm just wanting him to, like, if he doesn't see, if he doesn't see something, don't wait around and wait for somebody to get open. Like, oh, they turned around. Let me just get open. No, I'm just just go. Six yards is better than losing six yards. Yeah, um, I think that one thing that plays into Tannehill's benefit, and it probably helped some last year, is the fact that everybody wants to hold against him the fact that he played wide receiver while waiting for his turn to play quarterback at Texas A&M. But when you're getting rocked 58 times in the pocket, there's probably a benefit to having been a wide receiver where you were getting hit every time you got the ball. So on the running plays, he at least should know how to take that hit or how to get out of bounds and protect himself. So I think that Tannehill probably has a little bit of advantage over some of these other running quarterbacks like RG3, who it seems like if he leaves the pocket, he's going to come up limping. He, There's he probably he's, a out of the, he's out for the season again, isn't he? Yeah. Um, I don't <laughs> know if it's for the season, but they're, they're definitely talking about the possibility that when he does come back, that it's still Kirk Cousins' job. So now that's all speculation and – I don't oh, know ESPN would love that. I don't know if you can justify RG3 not playing after what you paid for him, but that's all uh, Washington Redskins speculation that they can figure out. But um, I, I think that, that's their SB Nation take care of it. Yep, I do think that, something else uh, along the yeah, go something on, else along the lines of, of the design runs and things like that, or. You know, we really didn't see it a lot with Sherman. We've seen it more this year, but the design rollouts. Um, I can't remember That's the, a little name different. The, play, uh, the name of the play. It's, it's the one where Black Clark made the catch. I, I watched the NFL Network show on it, and they, if there's a name for it. It's pretty much right. ubiquitous in all of the West Coast offenses. But run that play. I mean, you know, run the run the play action, uh, you know, tight end coming across. I ran that play all the time on Madden years ago. You know, do something like that. Hey, Tannehill throws well on the move, and that's also a chance that he can get out of the pocket, and he can see to run if those options aren't there. And that's where he can become dangerous. If you just leave him sitting in the pocket, uh, even if he does have the ability to run, that's going to, you know, limit what he can do. If you move the pocket a little bit, let him roll out. Um, what was that one play we saw in preseason where um, Tannehill read he ran the read option. He kept the ball and threw it to Gibson on the on the sideline. Um, 
like a triple option kind of thing. Yeah, well, I've not seen that one yet. What happened to that one? Um, so well, it's know, not his. It's not that good. offense anymore. Yeah, that play not that play not be in the playbook anymore. I don't know why it works then. I mean, just yeah. I mean, just just do some things. Put it to uh, you know get get him in a place where he can you know be use his advantages that he has. Don't just limit him to a you know being a pocket passer. Well, that's what I was saying. He might be damaged goods because he's already been. It's already he's already faced the Chad Henney syndrome of okay, I must do this and never do this, and that becomes a problem. You take away his instincts, and that ruins the quarterback as a whole. I think that there's there, there's an argument there that it could be. I won't say for sure it is because we we don't know, but there, there, it definitely seems like he does not run like you would think he would want to or that he could. We know he can. He did it in his rookie year. Right. I mean, at some point, Tannehill just needs to say, you know what, screw it, I'm going to play football like I know how to play football. (laughs) Quit quit thinking about doing things and just go out there and do it. I think that's part of of the process. And I absolutely agree with that. Stop thinking about it. If you're thinking about it, that was kind of the whole Michael Eggie thing. If you're having to think about what you're doing, you're not going to play as fast or as good as you should. If you if you can just go there and just play, do it by instinct. I mean, even if that means even if he has to say, listen, you know, tell Lazer, say, look, I've got to, you know, I'm gonna see that whole I'm gonna run. You know, I'm not gonna wait that extra half second or second for whoever to get open. I'm gonna see that whole I'm gonna take that run. Do it. Just start playing football. Let the let like you said, let the instincts kick in. I think we'll see a better quarterback, a better offense, and winning football. Like I said um, last week on the show, I think, I absolutely think that part of Tanhill's problem is he thinks. He, like, when he goes to that deep ball and he's trying to place it perfectly, he is thinking about where to put it rather than just reaching back and ripping it down there. And that probably, there probably is some degree of that as we're looking at, uh, at, at his play, even on the non 40 yard pass down to Mike Wallace. He's trying to think of the game rather than just feel it, and and maybe that's not part throwing of it. it. Right, exactly. What come? What that's what makes Matt. That's what people keep saying they want Matt Moore to be the starting quarterback. In my opinion, because Moore doesn't think about where he's throwing, he just throws it and waits for his receiver to do something. But that kind of thinking does mess you up sometimes. That's the boomer busting of it. But if Tannehill would employ the Matt Moore mentality of when just throw it out there when he's throwing deep balls, then he'd probably connect on a lot more passes. Yeah, I think I think he probably would. Now that also assumes that your receiver is going to catch the ball. But <laughs> I mean, <at> this <laughs> that's, point, the, I don't that's think the thing that, with Wallace. But you got to take that risk. I don't. I don't think that we can ever assume that at this point any of the wide receivers are going to catch a ball. But yeah, that's that's become a problem lately. Uh, I feel like we talked about this all last year too. But anybody want to introduce? I mean, I know he spends time with it after practice every week, and Mike Wallace has become the top receiver in this offense, maybe part because of that. But anybody want to introduce the wide receivers to the jugs machine? Just a little bit, please, so that maybe they can actually hold on to a ball. 
and I know they all do it, and I know they're all out there working hard, but please, somebody catch the ball. If Tannehill hits you in the hands, you should not put the ball on the ground. Please. <laughs> I was at training camp, man. It's not for a lack of trying. They use the jug machine all the time. Linebackers, too. Everybody uses that stupid machine. It doesn't work. Remember, remember in preseason, all of the receivers were catching things. And Jarvis Landry, was. He, you put the ball within about a 10-yard radius of him, and he seemed to be coming down with it. Like a magnet. And, yeah, it was like, what has happened? Oh, I don't know, but I, I kind of, I kind of have a feeling that the Dolphins as a whole pushing too hard right now. Everybody wants to make the big play, and we end up making no play because of it. And I think it goes to the the tackling too. Everybody wants to make that big hit and get up and pump up the team, and Jimmy Wilson or Jason Trusnick or wh- whomever it is makes that hit, and the guy keeps running. And then it's, uh, what did we just do? So, oops. Too many oops moments this year so far. Yes, exactly. There absolutely have been. But, Lewis, uh, thank you for calling in tonight. I know... uh, Uh, I thought I could stay the whole day, you said. I did, but we're down to about 10 minutes, so... (laughs) <laughs> but thanks very much. All right. Thanks for day. having me. Yep. I did want to say uh, one thing real quick since you brought it up, Duke, while we were sitting here. It's red, right, tight, sprint, right option. <laughs> I went and looked sprint up right the name of the play. Yep. Red, right, tight, sprint, right option. So that that's the name Love of it, the man. play patch. I couldn't remember what it was. But that's the name of the the catch play. But and, and someone right on one of the live and someone on one of the live threads, you know, because it made me think about tight ends. Mentioned this. I don't remember who it was, or in some thread mentioned it. They should probably put Charles Clay. Does not make him inactive this week because he's not healthy. Uh, he's not playing the way that he needs to be playing, and it's because of his knee. And I agree. If there's if there's a team in the NFL that you could probably not start Charles Clay against it. Maybe the Raiders. You know, you say that, and then you know the Dolphins could lose. Yeah. Anyway, um, he, he's not he's not right at this point. And I think if you if you put him put him on the put him on the uh, inactive list for a week, let him give him a couple of weeks with a bye to heal up. Uh, you know that'll help out a lot. I think just if he can't play 100, percent that slows things down too. Because when you saw what he what he did. Last year, you know what he's capable of. If he's not, right. you know, if he's not, or if you don't have that good tight end option like that, um, you know, I mean, I think you could go with with um, Gator and, and Sims for for a week against the Raiders and uh, let those guys, you know, do a couple things. But yeah, I think they need to let Charles Clay heal up. That, that's a big thing that's hurting the offense. Um, I, I was impressed with what I saw with Miller. I know he had some big runs, and I always. Uh, Bumps up your average, but you know I thought Duke. I don't know if it's you, but there's suddenly a lot of background behind you. That is not me, James. That might be you then. I don't know what it was. All of a sudden, there was just a ton of background noise. But okay, uh, unless, there's some, unless there's something going on here that's uh, not supposed to be <laughs> supernatural or something. Yeah. Um, 
But I like what you know. There's some positives. The run defense has looked better. Um, Jelani Jenkins has become a, a nice little run stuffing outside linebacker. Um, I don't know how he's looked in coverage. Uh, I'll have to go back and watch some more. But um, but yeah, what impressed me the most was Miller. I know he runs well to the outside, but the thing that he's always struggled with is just a lack of vision. And he had that big run against the Chiefs. I think it was like, it was like the first big run of the game. Uh, he runs inside and then cuts way back to the outside. That's just not something you have ever seen from him before. Uh, and if it had been him from last year or, you know, the normal Daniel Thomas, they would just continue running into the pile of bodies, got two yards and play another down. Right. But he ended up taking 20 yards. Up out of it. So that was, that was impressive to see. Uh, maybe, you know, maybe with all the talk of Marino going down and, you know, Miller is not going to be the guy kind of thing, that uh, maybe there's been a fire lit under him and he's starting to play better. So if he can, if he, if he can average seven yards a carry for the rest of the season, we'll, we'll be in good shape, I think. Yeah, <laughs> probably. That, that's probably a pretty good assumption. Uh, <laughs> like seven yards a carry might be okay. So, somebody pointed in here, let's see, it's Pocket Aces, said in the live thread that he agrees with most of what is being said, but that we probably need to stop comparing the Dolphins to Saints, Packers, 49ers. By saying those teams are they are also one and two with Breeze, Rodgers, Kaepernick, et cetera, those quarterbacks and teams have won playoff games with those quarterbacks, and we haven't gone to the, court, to the playoffs. We haven't won a playoff game in a decade. I'll do that since six years and quite a decade yet. But Yeah, and I was saying that not as necessarily as a comparison, but just kind of saying that, you know, hey, you know, those teams have great quarterbacks that are, seem to be playing well, and they're not winning games. So there's always something besides the quarterback that, you know, right. maybe this man Hill making bad choices that I mean – Nobody in their right mind would say, I'd take Tannehill over Drew Brees at this point. But, I mean, teams both have the same record. So, I mean, it's not, I mean, there's all kinds of stuff going on. So, it's, I don't think it's, you know, that was my point, not to compare them, because he's right. You know, those guys have the resume to say, you know what, I've, if I start one two, that's fine, because look what I've done in the past. But, um, you know, th- those teams are struggling too, and, just like the Dolphins, and, it, it, and you know, I think Tannehill's got the good turning around. I hope he does. I think uh, I, I think that the, the point is not so much that these quarterbacks that Tannehill's on par with these quarterbacks, like you said. I, I think, and Matt Ryan, we all know the playoff struggles they had, but even before they won playoff games. Would you consider him a better quarterback? Probably. But he hadn't won a playoff game either. Um, The playoffs are great, and it's what everybody wants, and you want a quarterback that can win you playoff games, obviously. But the playoffs are not the end-all. Just because a team is either in the playoffs or is not doesn't mean you have a great quarterback or you don't. Uh Look at Rex Grossman. He's a Super Bowl winning quarterback. That doesn't necessarily mean he's a great quarterback. It, Mark it, it, it just, yeah. Mark Sanchez took his team twice to the AFC championship game in back to back years. Not really sure you'd say he's a great quarterback. Um, otherwise, Philly might be playing him. Um, but I just. I, I, don't, I, don't want to, I don't want to make that comparison that. He, 
Tannehill's on par with those guys. That's that's not at all what we're trying to say. But it also means that after three games, your quarterback can be playing or can be playing well, and you can be losing. Your quarterback can be playing poorly, and you can be winning. Three games is not enough of a season to determine exactly what your quarterback is or what your team is. Now, if you lose in week four and you're a quarter into your season and you're one and three and your quarterback is not throwing the ball very well, you probably have reason to start being really, really concerned. And the Dolphins could be facing that exact situation. And if you get into if you get to one and four or two and three, something like that, maybe you are starting to really have concerns. But at even if you're two and two after four games, you still are well in position to make a run in this league. The Dolphins, last year's Dolphins ripped off two three-game winning streaks. They can pull mm-hmm. that off at point this year and be able to get themselves right back into in contention. Yeah, and I mean, you know, you look at the games you've got coming up. You've got a um, you've got a Packers team that's struggling, and even though they have the good offensive weapons, their defense is not as good. They're vulnerable up the middle to the run. Um, if you stop the run, I mean, you can limit them. Um, the Bears' defense is not that good. You, can, you know, they've got a good offense too. But I mean, you know, the Vikings—you don't know really what to think about them. You've you know, got a couple of division games against the Jets, uh, a revenge game against the Bills. I'm trying to think who else will play. Um, the Lions. I mean, they're kind of, you don't really know what to think about them. I mean, they look good one week and bad the next. So. I mean, there's games out there that if the Dolphins just play their game and play it well and execute, they can win. So, yeah, 2-2 two and two is not that bad. I mean, I think there were people saying, you know, if the Dolphins, need, if they want to have a chance to, to make the playoffs, they need to be 2-2 two and two going into the bye week. You know, it, it hurts worse because we had a chance to be, you know, you look at it, you had a chance to be 3-0 and against some, possibly 4-0 and against some weaker teams or supposedly weaker teams. You know, the Chiefs were, had, had one game. Um, but, you know, I think they might have been a little more desperate than the Dolphins were. Um, you know, the Dolphins already won a game. They had not. If they start 0-3, like the uh, the guy said on the on the podcast last week, they, um, you know, 0-3 and then facing the Patriots and the 49ers, you know, their season is pretty much done. I mean, that that was a almost a must win for them, whereas I don't think right. the Dolphins looked at it that way. I think the Dolphins will look at this game as a must-win. So if they look at this game against the Raiders as a must-win and they still come out flat and look bad, there's issues. If they come out, you know, play like they did in the second half against the Patriots and just dominate, you know, I think that'll say a little bit of something to about them. So, you know, I don't like that kind of um, that kind of bipolar team where they can play well when they're back against the wall, but then play badly when it's not. You know, I like to see a more consistent team, but unfortunately yeah. that is this team and has always been this team. For some reason over the past decade, no matter who the coach is, who's playing, this team seems to play down to I won't say lesser talent, but to games that they don't get as high for, and then they play up to teams that probably should absolutely blow them out, and yet somehow they play up to And, I mean, I look, the, the Bills are a talented team this year and probably are going to be on the upswing. But last year playing twice 
playing Thad Lewis twice, I don't think it's the same team as what E.J. Manuel and this team is. So the Dolphins should have won those games and yet simply got outplayed. Why? Because it seemed like they played down to a Thad Lewis-led team. Yeah, but, and I mean, they... they um, let's hope it doesn't happen this um but yeah, and, and division games always kind of throw them out anyway because they they're always tough. I mean, it doesn't they matter are. how good or bad the other team is; it's a division game. Um, th- those are just always tough, and, and, and you know, I, I say that on the threads, and I tell you know people in person, you know, a lot of Panthers fans down here, and they understand it too within their division. But it's like you feel like, how can you lose to the Bills? I'm like. Division game, and the Bills hate us, and we hate the Bills, and they're they're tough to beat at home in the division. Now San Diego goes in there, beats them. Is San Diego a little better than the Dolphins right now? Probably, but you know it's not a big deal for the Bills. Like they were talking the Bills when we played them, the guys that came on the night um, of their show over there when they came on the podcast. It's like you know all the news they had that week with Jim Kelly with the new owner, all of that jazz. They were just so hyped up. It was on the work. You know, that was, I don't want to say their Super Bowl, but that was a huge game for them. Much bigger than it was for the Dolphins, obviously. So, yeah, yeah, I think the Dolphins will be ready for the Raiders, but yeah, when it comes to, you know, the the Chiefs is a different story. The Bills, I understand it's a decision game, but the Chiefs, that was a little, you know, I don't understand that. Yep. Um, I I, I laughed um, couple minutes ago because Jason Scott posted in the live thread, on the positive side, Ryan Tannehill, Ryan Tannehill has never butt-fumbled. The valid point. What? Ryan Tannehill has never butt-fumbled. He's and never done the Mark Sanchez butt-fumble. And I don't know that there ever will be anyone to ever do that again. <laughs> Mark that Sanchez was a has done a, something that was a no. once-in-a-lifetime no quarterback will ever a lifetime moment. Just on that note, we are at the end of this week's episode. I uh, didn't talk as much about the Raiders as we probably should have, but I think that the the, the news this week, Hannahill, was really what it all came down to. So, uh, Duke, any last thoughts? Um, I you know. Yeah, I guess one. Um, I, you know, from from following Oscar and a few others on Twitter, it seems like there is a pretty good contingent of Dolphins fans in London. So I'm, I'm hoping to see a, a nice turnout of some uh, some aqua and white and aqua and orange over there uh, in London this week. I think um, I think it'll be, despite being a home game for the Raiders, I think it may end up being more of a home game for the Dolphins and. Uh, so I'm, I'm hoping to uh, I'm hoping to see how that plays out. I think there is I think there is a large contingent of Dolphins fans in London. I think that having this be their second time playing in London and all the press and hype that the Dolphins got, even though it was the one in fifteen season, it was the press and hype that they got. I mean the giant. Jason Taylor that we all saw last time they were there, that absolutely should help. And, I mean, you're going to have the Raiders are one of the most recognizable logos in the world. It's 
something people know everywhere. Even if they don't know what football is or exactly who the Raiders are, they know the logo. So you you are combating that, but I do think that there is a very good probability that we're going to see plenty of aqua when the game kicks off. I don't know if it'll be the new aqua, but we probably will see a lot of aqua. And and on interest, a quick interesting side note about uh, American football in London, he, he's he's one of the head. If he's not one of the founders, he's one of the head writers of Pro Football Focus. Is uh, is a Brit, and he fell in love with American football and helped start the site that just about everyone uses now to analyze that. So, uh, yeah. kind of interesting. I, I, yep, I think uh, I, I think that I know that. Obviously, soccer is bigger than American football, but I do think that there is a gra- there is a growing number, but there is already a large number of fans of American football in England, and I think you're gonna you're gonna see it continue to grow. I think that there is absolutely the desire for the NFL to get a team into London, and it probably would do okay now. We've seen NFL Europe and how it did, and it obviously was not what the league wanted it to be. And I don't know if it would actually be sustainable for a NFL team to be in London, but it's definitely what the NFL wants, and at least for the few, first few years, it probably would do okay. But, uh, James... If you are around, any thoughts? No, sir. Okay. Well, everybody, thank you for listening. Uh, you can find us on iTunes. If you ever miss an episode, all you have to do is search for Finsider Podcast, and it will come up, or it may actually be listed under Finsider Radio. Search for Finsider. You'll you'll find us that way. Uh, you can always find us on Blog Talk Radio every Wednesday, 9 p.m. Eastern Time. And, of course, we always have the live thread up on thefinsider.com. So come check us out if you are listening on iTunes and not listening live. Come check us out Wednesday, 9 p.m. Eastern Time on thefinsider.com. Finsider spelled with a P-H, as Ryan Tanhill tells you at the beginning of the show. And hopefully, come next week when we're in the bye week, we're talking about a win over the Raiders and feeling a little bit better about this team. I know it's been a rough week, but you've made it almost all the way through it now. We can start focusing on the Raiders and getting ready to to watch football again instead of listening to the drama of will Tannehill start or won't he and will this team be able to figure out their problem. So thank you, everybody, and have a good night. Good night. Good night. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
Hey, I'm Anil Dash, and I'm the host of a new show called Function from the Vox Media Podcast Network and Glitch. This season, we're talking with experts about why our voting machines are so bad and how that might hurt our elections. We'll also talk with an animator to find out how popular dances from the real world end up in video games. And we're going to tackle the biggest question in tech. Why do so many celebrities use screenshots from that Apple Notes app to make their public apologies when they screw up? You can find new episodes of Function every Monday on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And thanks to Microsoft Azure for sponsoring Function. Support for Pivot comes from Polestar. At Polestar, every inch of every vehicle they design is thoughtfully made. They're made to transform auto performance, accelerating from 0 to 60 in less than 4.2 seconds with fully electric all-wheel drive. They're made to elevate the driving experience with LED headlights and a panoramic glass roof. And they're made to uphold a greater responsibility to the planet using sustainable materials and energy-saving systems. The result is a car that combines the best of today with the technology of tomorrow. Pure performance, pure design, Polestar. Design yours and book a test drive today at polestar.com.